Hi, I'm Neil from the RuneQuest Project and welcome to the Tales for the Black Alynx, a podcast series where we talk to the authors of Johnstown Compendium Publications. This evening, I'm joined by the author of two JC Electrum best-selling publications, Secrets of Hero Questing and Secrets of Durasta, as well as numerous articles for the Trade Talk fanzine. So with further ado, who are you and where are you? My name is uh, Simon Phipp. I'm currently sat in my in in my, in my spare bedroom, which I like to call my office, uh, or my wife calls my crazy room, because I do my crazy hobby here. Uh, and I live in Walsall in the West Midlands in England, but I don't have a Walsall accent, so um, not I wasn't born here. I've just um, migrated here eventually. Fantastic. Well, thanks for joining us, Simon. Really appreciate your time. So what's your history with role-playing games and how did you first encounter RuneQuest or HeroQuest? Well, I've been playing role-playing games for what some people might think is is a long time. When I, when I was at university in, in our first year, we, 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 we were talk, talk, talking to people on, on, on our floor in the halls of residences and there was a third year student there and he uh, he said uh, oh i play this game we'll you take a role and you and you and you play it like a with adventures do you want to get it to you want to play it and uh, a group of us said yeah that sounds good we haven't heard that before and i'd never heard of role playing games so we brought out this blue or purple box with a with a, a lizard man on it and a woman fighting it and it said something about about rune quest on there uh, we rolled some characters up and we played Apple Lane for the first the, for the first time. And the next weekend, I went into Coventry and I bought the box set. And then I bought every single supplement that I could. Didn't open them sometimes because because he said he was going to run them, so I, so I mm-hmm. just had them in uh, in in the bag. And then that was in 1982. Wow! So it's pretty rare then that your first encounter was actually with Rinquist. Most of the other people you've spoken to has obviously been via Dungeons and Dragons or on some occasions through Call of Cthulhu or Traveller. But your first encounter was straight into RuneQuest 2. Yeah, my first encounter was straight into RuneQuest 2. Uh, I've played lots of the games since. None of them have come up to my experience with RuneQuest. Hero Quest is close, but it's a different type of game or yeah. Quest Worlds, as they call it now play D and thought it's very restrictive in, in in the way it did things and it just wasn't the same so my first love really is is, is RuneQuest. what kind of hooked you in there what what was it about RuneQuest that kind of you know was it a is it a first love syndrome or was there something tangible that you liked about it oh no it was definitely one thing that really got me into it um as a kid i used to read loads of like, Still do really. I, I you just read loads of um, fantasy books and historical books, historical fiction, and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And I remember my parents bought me a a set of the um, classics. So mm-hmm. I read the Iliad and I read the Odyssey. And in the Iliad, one of the things well, I was about thirteen, I think, when I read them. One of the things that really struck me in the Iliad was the battle scenes. Because they were so descriptive, they were so physical, how they described them, you could actually picture yourself being there. As, as a kid, we used to have, I'm not sure if you had it in Australia, we had, we had a TV programme called uh, New World of Sport. And yeah, at yeah. 4 p.m. every Saturday, we used to have wrestling. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually from the UK originally, so I'm, I'm from Essex. And I remember oh, right. my... My grandma, when we used to stay over there, used to sit us in front of the TV and watch Big Daddy and Giant Haystacks and exactly, <laughs> exactly. So, so we we used to watch those at four o'clock. At five o'clock, we go into the Minan's garden if we were over there or our garden, and we'd play out all the moves. So, because I was the oldest, I used to beat up my <laughs> two brothers, uh, yeah. basically doing all the wrestling moves. When I went to, and played Quest. And I did the first, my first RuneQuest combat. I thought it's just like wrestling. It's just like the combat scenes in the Iliad. And that was my my first thought about it. Everything else is is great as well, but that's why I, I love RuneQuest. 
So RuneQuest for me is, is really nice because it's a sim, single mechanic across everything. Mm-hmm. And then uh, combat is so visceral. And so how I imagined ancient combat to work, it's just perfect. Yeah. And I mean, for something that's relatively crunchy as well, once you've got the hang of it, it is it is quite a simple rule set, I think, personally. Whether that's just because it's so ingrained deeply in me now that it's second nature, but... In fact, trying to get my kids into role-playing, I did a very, very simple combat with them where I drew out the hit locations, had the numbers for the armor and for the for the hit points, and then had the percentage chance of to hit and then damage. And they were, you know, eight and nine, and they got it straight off. They, you know, it seemed fairly logical to them. It does, and that's the thing. And anyone, anyone really can understand percentiles, and if you roll under that skill. If you roll mm-hmm. under, over that skill, it's a failure. That's it. And f- fumbles, you, you have to work out. But personally, I, don't, I only bother with those if it's important. So um, if you, you think about, about specials, if I've got a skill of 60 and a roll of 50, clearly not special. It's a success. If it's, yeah. a, it's, a, if it's a round about 10 or 12 or 13, I have to work it out. If it's not, I don't bother. So it just makes it a lot easier. I, I don't. I don't have a table of the uh, of all the skills and the special chance and mythical chance and football chance. I only will work it out if it's important. Yeah, you can you can kind of work it out, can't you? So, exactly. of all of those publications that you bought back in the day, which one would you class as your favourite? Probably Borderlands, I think, which is an an old R- RQ2 or RQ classic pack. Simply because it was a different way of doing things. It was it was. Um, a combination between a sandbox and a rejected approach. So uh, you, 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 you had, I think, six scenarios in there. And then you had a load of encounters which could be used. And then mm-hmm. you had loads of locations around. So if, if the PCs were a bit, or the players were a bit, a bit bored or a bit stuck, you, you could give them a scenario. You, you could riff off those to do other things. You could go to places nearby, and it's just, I thought it was very atmospheric. Probably, mm-hmm. if in Mountain and the original Duraster, RQ3 Duraster, probably come close. But um, of those three, I'd, I'd say that Borderlands is probably my my favourite. And did you spend most of your time playing, or did you have a good shot at GM back in the early days? Um, it depends really on the in the early days. For the first two years I played, we um, played in the campaign. We had we had the first year Dave was the the, the GM. Then Dave was was, was out next year doing a post grad work, work somewhere else. And then the third year we played. It, it came back and we played again. I was a player in those those campaigns. And then I joined a campaign afterwards when I, when I um, sort of a post grad teaching course at university and I carried on after that and that was a multi a gm campaign so i was a player and a, a gm but that uh, was yep. such a such a gonzo campaign before i even knew the word gonzo it was a gonzo c- campaign that we uh, pretty much had a license to do anything and try anything so it was really good that, that you had about three or four regular gms and then a few, few players occasionally occasionally gemmed so each person had their own area to, to gm one person did things in sarge one person did things in prax i did it in pavis or, or Durasta, and we all just carried on in in like a very loose campaign with some interaction between gems and some plots which carried on through but generally episodic in nature and it just worked really really well it was such a mad cap <laughs> wild campaign that it was just really fun, and in those days, because we were in our in, in our early twenties, a lot of us didn't have jobs or were at the university. We could play for we could start playing at six in four in the afternoon, finish at midnight, or we'd take all our stuff, go into like a common room, and just play till till dawn. So so we actually did the overnight games where you started at started mm. at four, play till dawn. Had some breakfast, got some cans, came back in, played till four o'clock, went home and and all went to bed. So we used to play those. So it's like a a fantastic time for role playing, really. 
Yeah, it sounds like a horrible life, that's for sure. I mean, at the moment, I've mentioned it a few times, but I'm having to get up at 6 o'clock in the morning on a Sunday to play in the campaign as we're across like five time zones. Oh, that's a bit, yeah. It is, but it's, it's definitely worth, worthwhile. We've been doing it for two years now as well. Oh, really? That's good, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's been, uh, it's been really good. Um, so at the risk of being a bit of an obvious answer to the question, what's your favourite region in Glorantha and why? No, I wonder, I wonder whether mm. that would be. I've got two, actually. Um, so the obvious answer is is the Drastor. Um, mm. the, reason, the, reason, the reason why is, um, as I said, in, in, our, in our RQ2 campaign, which became an RQ3 campaign, where I used, I used to set, set, set things in Drastor and just carried on. So I, I actually ran like a, a, a three-year RQ3 campaign dressed based in Drasta and then in Barazar and a few, few other places. The reason why I like Drasta is that I can be in the meanest, most horrible GM you can possibly imagine and nobody bats an eyelid. And it's just like that. Uh, as uh, pe- People who read City uh, Tickers of Drasta might think I've got an acid fetish. That's uh, that is completely untrue. However, there are a few things as a GM more satisfying than watching players whinge and bitch and moan about losing their iron armor because of acid. I, I actually played in, in in one of the campaigns, and one of the GMs ran a had a location called the Acid Pits. <laughs> which uh, <laughs> yeah. you, you can think that's interesting. And one of his things, he used to have uh, monsters is spit acid. And one of our, our players was really pleased that the acid was a uh, critical because it missed his armor. So he, <laughs> he, was, he, was, he was dancing them down. And we said, well, it's just an eight, an eight points of acid to you. I said, I can survive that. That's fine. But my armor's okay. <laughs> yeah, you can't repair iron armor. Or can you? Yeah. Exactly. Well, it's, it's hard. It's, it's expensive. Mm. So, uh, so yeah, he just he just didn't uh, that. So I just think the, the, the Durastas are a nice little. It's it's a self enclosed area. It's quite big, so there's lots of things in there. Uh, there's a lots of scope for um, role playing there. You can you can do a, a low level campaign. You can do a medium level punk campaign. You can do a high level campaign. You can do a silly level campaign, and it just it just it just works. And and anything you want in there, really, you can say. Um, I can vouch for the um, for the anything goes nature. Having played in your Glorantha Games campaign and encountered the Jacobeer Shalana Aroy player that healed people by licking them with his whip-like tongue, which I thought was a, a good touch. That's nice, that is. Um, the, 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 that was actually based a gem in our RQ2 campaign called AD, and he had that as, a, as an NPC um, healer because he loved to he loved to make the point that Humapti and Chalana Oi can accept chaos in their, in their courts. So he used to have Humapti Chaotix and uh, Chalana Oi And he actually had a Jacobair healer who could heal with his tongues. Um, but she also had two iron large shields because she, although she didn't like to fight, she liked to parry, obviously. Mm-hmm. And she used to attack undead. So basically, she had a skill of like two hundred percent in 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 shield attack, just so that she could kill undead creatures and chaotic creatures because th- that was allowed. And it just it just struck me as being a really great idea. So I that so was- I, I must admit that I, I pinched that one. That wasn't that wasn't uh, that wasn't my idea. But that's that's the whole ethos of my my jamming. What's the point of thinking new things if, if I can pinch ideas from other people? So uh, I'm 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 happy to that. There's been a two tier pinching because one of my players in the current campaign now has he loved the idea and now has a dog familiar or dog allied spirit that also licks people when he heals them. There you see, little less nasty, but um, same kind of ballpark. But it's still good. So I'm 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 glad that the, the, the disgusting ideas. Propagate throughout the, 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 the quest community. That 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 would be my my ideal. That that someone comes to me with a great idea that's based on something that I I pinched off somebody else. That's my <laughs> my idea of happiness. 
And then the, you were saying that your other region, favourite region, was Prax? Yeah, yeah, Prax. Just because, as I said, I, I, my f- favourite uh, supplement is, 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 is Borderlands. Um, mm. RQ3 brought out some lovely uh, Praxian scenarios. It's just got so much flavour, uh, so much uh, detail in there that's been teased out over the years and I, I just I just find it far more satisfying to play in cracks and maybe Paris and the big bubble than mm. say in Sasata because Sasata I think is very I didn't think it was a great setting originally just it was just mm. Lunas versus Orlanthi uh, obviously there's a lot there's a lot more to, to that and I'm just yeah. doing lots of people are doing service i wasn't as satisfied with the hero wars approach to Orlanthi or the farmer giles approach approach to Orlanthi as, as i call it which is the uh <laughs> the i think it was the apple farmer farmers collective it was good and the clan based stuff is great i played in the in the clan based uh campaign for hero wars or, or hero quest and it was enjoy really enjoyable, but it just doesn't grab me as much. Uh, if I want clans, I want my clans to be nomad clans, which go around a bit more, a bit more savage, a bit more barbarian-y, with a bit more flavour than just another Orlanthi clan, because they're all the same. You know, there's Orlanthi. I played Orlanthi for years and all the same. It seems quite safe in comparison to you know Prax and the Wastes. It's but it's a it's a different area. I I enjoy both. But I think I would lean towards you in the same way that Prax and Pavis has a special resonance. I think. I, th- I think so. But the, 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 there again, there's a little recently with the Sartre Sartre companion and the new Sartre stuff coming out. I think mm. there'll be a lot of stuff in there which is which is quite good and and, and fit quite well. So I'm I'm enjoying waiting for those because um hopefully they'll they'll ignite my love of Sata. I think you might be right. I mean having it given the um the new generation treatment I think is gonna come out really, really well. I think so because it looks though for a lot like between the lines and seeing what's happened now with the uh, the stuff coming out, it looks though there's 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 a real focus in going back to uh, adventuring and yeah. GMing as being as being the important thing, rather than storytelling. Obviously, storytelling is important, but mm-hmm. not it's not the be all and end all of of, of, of role playing. And it yeah. looks as though it, it really is that they're, they're they're going back to that. So um, they're producing a lot, a lot more scenario packs and scenarios uh, in in the pipeline. They haven't yet, obviously, but um, mm. it's in the pipeline. And I think that's the f- focus now, having great background material, but also having loads, loads of packs and scenarios. Cause, because as a, as a GM, I normally find that I run a third of my stuff is, 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 is pre-written scenarios. A third is my own stuff, and a third is just riffs off of the thing that, that's happened. Or, yes, or, that's or, or player, players' ideas, or players' um, things or whatever they want to do. So... Without those um, those official packs, it's hard to actually make it all up. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, my uh, idea of making things up nowadays is just inventing things on the fly and then writing them down afterwards because I, I just don't have the time to, to create things in advance. 100%. I mean, we're just having this with the campaign at the moment. So I'm running the Pairing Stones scenario from Pegasus Plateau. Oh, and right. have have mixed in the troop of terror from Austin Conrad into it oh, as well yes. as yeah. entertainers at the event, <laughs> and just in the first maybe really just the first half of the campaign, there've been so many other things happen that you can spin off of. Like for example, they caught the bolo riders that were spoilers for anybody who hasn't read the campaign. But they caught the bolo riders that were going to attempt to steal some of the caravan animals. That's now spiraled into a ransom deal and, and all sorts. So, yeah, I, I like having that structure and then being able to spin off the different sides as the characters react to certain things within the written scenario. Yeah, I, 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 think, I think that's important because it makes the, makes the campaign not just the, the gems campaign, it makes it the players' campaign as well. 
So uh, they can they can drive things. They can say, okay, like I played this campaign twice, and it's been different each time, as opposed Mm. to robotically saying you do this scenario, then this one, and then this one, and this one, and then the campaign's finished. So I I think that's that's probably the worst way to to run those. Um, But if you but but again, I like long campaigns anyway. I don't like campaigns which last for these sessions or, or five scenarios. I, I like campaigns which last for years. Well, one of the benefits is building up, or one of the, the fun elements is building up your character. You know, yeah, um, yeah. You gotta have it around. So you mentioned that you went into RuneQuest three, um, obviously moved on from RuneQuest two. Did you go through the whole gamut of releases right up to RQG, or did you have a, a fallow period? Effectively, uh, I, I did have a fellow period after I got married. Don't we all? I still, exactly, uh, it, it was quite uh, quite a thing of a case of uh, why you still playing that. Do, <laughs> do, you, do you love role-playing games or do you love me? Uh, <laughs> don't, don't, yeah. don't ask me to choose that, please, because <laughs> uh, you, might, you might not like the answer. So uh, just, just let's do both, shall we? But I really, as I said, I'll start with RQ2. Uh, I really like the improvements of RQ3. And for years, RQ3 was my favorite system, my mm-hmm. third system. Played the, uh, I was in the group to um, to talk about the, the changes for RQM, the Mongoose version. Mm-hmm. But then they, they scrapped that group and went their own way, which didn't really work. We tried to use the rules for RQM1. Uh, which is effectively RQ4 uh, in um, a a campaign, but the players just didn't like it. They just said it doesn't doesn't work for them. They just didn't like the rules, and the rules didn't hang together properly. So mm-hmm. we moved to back to RQ3, RQM2, which is effectively RQ5. That was better. It still had some issues, and it was still a bit clunky. RQ6 was good. However, it went into some directions which were quite confusing for players. They they just didn't. We looked at using the uh, combat effects, and it just mm-hmm. confused our, our players completely. I think they had what's called paralysis analysis or analysis paralysis. So yeah. basically, there were too many options to do in combat, which I can see why they were included, but. It just didn't really work for for our games, so we, we generally didn't use. We did a few things, but not many. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't play much Hero Wars, to be honest. I bought all the books and things because I know there's some nice ideas, but I didn't really get it. But I did start. I did join the Hero Quest campaign. We played in the Blue Storm, the Dancer campaign, which was a, a campaign set in. At the far point in a, in an all Atlantic clan, and I really enjoyed that because it was it was it was new, it was um, interesting. Hero Quest was it, it worked for me much better than Hero Wars ever did. I, I, I do like Hero Hero Quest or or, or Quest Words. Uh, I actually run um, in if I go to conventions. I prefer to run using HeroQuest because it's easy, whereas RuneQuest is a bit harder to to write things for, and I can I have to write down stats in RuneQuest for HeroQuest. I just make them up or have like yeah. two lines of, of stats, so it's really good. And also, the thing about HeroQuest that I liked was the fact that it frees you from a lot of things. So there's a lot of player input in design. You, you can have keywords which are made up, in effect, or as whatever you want. And I, I tend to use that in, in RuneQuest now. If I do things in RuneQuest and somebody has a skill or, or an ability, I use that as a keyword, in effect. So if they have an ability of, for instance, somebody now old, Campaign had an ability of remain standing because they they gained that when they went on some logs that the damage fell, so they did some some log bouncing, and they yep. took that as that as a skill, a really limited skill. You can only use it in certain uh, occasions. He used it all the time. He used it if he was knocked back. He was he could remain standing. If there was an earthquake, he was riding a beast. He could actually jump on the top of it and remain standing. 
jumping on dragons, all these things. He used it very inventively. And if you kept that to the to the actual description of the skill, you, you can't do, do, do that. If you use it as a, as a, as a keyword, or the, as the same idea as a keyword in, in HeroQuest, it becomes easy then because it's just an ability. It's just a, something that I can do. So it yeah. just makes it, uh, it, it I think it free you up to do a lot more things and the things in a lot more flexible way. Mm-hmm. So I do like the current request Glantha system, which is uh, which is not RQ7, but it's the seventh request version. There are things in it which I wish they'd have had a, a good editor or a good uh, rules editor in there to flush out all of the uh, bits from RQ2 and RQ3 which don't really gel to, to just look at the rules because it would have been done so much better and so much uh, to take about a lot of the um, inconsistencies. Mm. But because I've because I played through the whole quest thing, all I all I need to do is look at that and say, okay, that's from that set of rules. That's from that set of rules. Uh, I know what to do to uh, I can sell them. So I'm in the position where I can read them and say, yeah, I know about that. New players to the game will look at something and say, well, if, if I want to make a power gain roll, do I use this way of working out my speech and match power? Or do I use this way? There's 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 two ways of working out, and it's just inconsistent and that sort of thing. Because of my very nature, inconsistently inconsistently <laughs> inconsistency. I can't even say it in rules drives me mad to a certain extent. So yeah. that's that's the one thing out there. Uh, one thing I do like is I've I've been playing a game called Evolution by Alaftar Games, and that's based on. Uh, RQ6 in effect, or, or RQ5 really. It's It's got a very different way of handling skills. So rather than having loads and loads and loads of skills, they have a core, core number of 13 or some skills, and then you have, they have the um, traits which belong to those skills, and mm-hmm. I just think that works. So I, I now I don't use the RQG skills. I use the the skills from Evolution, but I change them slightly because it just it just works in our campaign. It's just so flexible and so easy to use. Have you got any other house rules that you implement? Where can I start? Oh, oh, loads and loads of things. In fact, uh, at the moment, it's really hard for me to tell what's the house rule and what's the normal rules. Because right. I've got the rules for RQ2, RQ3, RQ4, sure. uh, 5, 6, RQG, Revolution, some things from Mithras, some things from BRP. So, so basically, I, I, I use things in from all over the place. So at the moment, uh, I'm using hero points uh, as 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 they were in in older versions of RuneQuest and, and like in Mongo's RuneQuest and in HeroQuest, uh, we use hero points for experience points as well. So I don't like the idea of everyone who uses a skill gets an experience chance. I much prefer giving out a certain number of experience points that people can use to focus on on those skills. Mm. Because that way I get uh, there's 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 characters who have emphasis they emphasize certain emphasize certain areas. So you have people who are into healing, they they increase healing things. People into combat, you emphasize combat things. Magicians emphasize magical skills. Whereas if you have the normal RuneQuest role, uh, um, quest idea of if I succeed in a, in, in a skill, I get a tick, and then I, I actually use that uh, experience to get those. And you get everyone is in has combat skills. Everyone's got trap set disarm skills. Scan. They all increase at the same time, so everyone's the same. Mm. I just yeah. I much prefer to have have characters who are not not necessarily only focused in certain areas, but it gives them a, a, a way of making them stand out easily. Mm. Whereas if I, if I have like uh, five people in a campaign. And they, they they can all fight. They can all cast spells. They can all jump. They can all climb. They can all say things. I'm thinking, how do you actually differentiate them from from other PCs? Mm. And it just it just makes it a bit easier for me to, as a GM and a bit easier for players to say that I've got a place in this game. It's not quite quite the I'm the face. I'm the fighter. I'm the healer. I'm the magician. Because the quest is very much a case of. You can do all those things, but 
it's definitely definitely not like we had in in quest 2 where we had uh, six or seven rune levels they were all masters of climb they were all masters of jump they were all masters of of, of um spotting Listen, things yeah. and yeah. it didn't really matter because yeah you, you, your arsenal was skill and then everyone can can roll, roll it we really have a situation where five of the five of the six players have got mastery of uh peaceful cut if you, you get into a into a into a almost a silly situation really and now i, I love silly situations but not necessarily in that in that way yeah and it's going to aid them to kind of drive their character in the direction they want to take them rather than have it being completely random which way the skill increases go yeah it's exactly it's exactly that's right which um which i find it works for me um i'm gonna hopefully still join the campaign because one of our players wants to run rqg stuff and mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see how how he manages those those things because it might be back to the RQs and the the standard RQ style, which will be interesting to see how that works. Uh, One thing I'm not going to do is is trample over him as a a GM. It's a case of your table, your rules. And if I don't like it, I can just grumble about it to to myself. So just moving on now to the Johnstown Compendium. So what made you take the leap from playing and GMing in role-playing games to actually writing for them? To a certain extent, I've been writing stuff for requests for a long time. I've got a website with loads of stuff on there, which is based on on the campaigns I've played in, or it's based on uh, house rules that we've used or, 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 or information. So um, I've been doing that. I've also written... Um, Articles for Trade Talk. I wrote something for Tales of the Richard Moon, and odds and ends in the in the past. So I've been doing it for a while, uh, and I thought that it's good to actually support things which come from Aosium. And I think the Johnson Companion is is a really good way of uh, of doing it because there's no real oversight from Aosium. By that, what I mean is, although Chaosium care about what's in there, because they don't want stuff that all um, that will affect the brand, and they don't want stuff which is pornographic or extreme, which is which is fair enough. But apart from that, they don't care to a certain extent what's in there. So I can write stuff that is not based on canon, that is uh, completely off-piste, and it doesn't matter. So mm-hmm. it gives me a lot of uh, freedom. Whereas if if I was to write for Kyosium, and I, I would never write for an official games company because the the constraints which they put on would would just drive me mad. So I wouldn't I, I wouldn't necessarily do, 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 do that. But but if I did that, then I'd always have to look at um, like ten sets of books to see what what was written before. Am I changing it too much? If I'm changing it, is it is it is it is it, is it going to fit in with the Johnson Companion? I don't need that. I don't don't have to do that because I can put something in there which is different to the rules because it's a new rule that I I've introduced. You like it? You don't like it? I don't care. You use mm-hmm. it? You don't use it? I don't care. It's there. And it's just, it's just, um, it gives you a lot of freedom, I think, to, 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 to do that. And also, to a certain extent, I thought um, I had a lot of material in, in articles anyway. So why not just bring them, bring them together, write them, and, mm-hmm. and, and bring them out? So, so half. He hashes of old of old stuff, but then updated to RQG and then and then massively enhanced and um, improved. Um, so it's not a case of writing uh, things from scratch. It's a case of half it's been there already. And tell us two main publications you've got them: uh, Secrets of HeroQuesting and Secrets of Durasta. Okay, well. Um... Uh, as I mentioned before, Drastra is, is is probably my favourite um, area in, um, in in Galantha. So I ran I ran a campaign in Drastra um, in the RQ2 world where we had the multi gem uh, 
campaign. So every every time it was my turn to GM, I normally went to either Prax or Druster. So we had a lot of fun uh, fun to doing that. And we also then went on uh, a, f- a few of those PCs went into an RQ3 campaign when they were where they were based in Druster, and they spent about three years in in Druster, which was which was really really good fun. So uh, I used that, and I also used some things from the last campaign where the, 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 the PCs went to Durasta but didn't to, do too much there. Um, but they, the stuff they did was really useful in, in shaping certain areas. So mm-hmm. I, just, I just thought that um, the Durasta pack in, for RQ3 was very detailed. It was very good. It gave a nice, a nice feel to the area. But it just left so many things untouched and so many areas not described. So I thought I've got a lot of background material on that based on those campaigns. So I'll just write things. So uh, that's what the sequence address is. It's really it's a campaign pack with no scenarios, but lots of of uh, ideas. So um, every every single area has got some uh, ideas about. How to use it? Some some ideas of how to write scenarios for it, or how to use the NPCs. It's got I don't know 15, 16 maybe NPCs, which are like major characters, which we had loads of fun with in the in the campaigns. Uh, it's got twenty or some magic items. It's got new spells for for cults. It's got loads and loads and loads of background in the areas. It's just a, a normal standard campaign pack with a lot of uh, interesting things in there. I just find that it's, the, 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 the address is good because, as I said, it, it, you can do a low-level campaign if you're if you're making a stead in the in riskland. If you're building a stead up, you, you can do stead management. You can do adventures into Drasta, adventures in the area. You can get a bit more experience and then go into Drasta and hopefully survive. You can get to rune levels and go into Drasta and hopefully hopefully survive. You can then take the fight into Drasta where you're actually interacting with the, the leaders as leaders and you can do all that sort of thing. And it's, it's, it's you don't need a different pack to do that. You can do all those things in the same campaign pack. Yeah, it seems a lot more surreal and psychedelic an area than, say, you know, Sartar or, or Prex. A lot more fantastical. Exactly. And there was so much stuff that I couldn't include in there for for whatever reason. So um, I, don't, I, can't, I can't really tell you about, the, about them too much. <laughs> so then Secrets of Hero Questing is quite a diversion from Secrets of Durasta. Maybe tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, um, when I started playing RuneQuest, um, in, in our first campaign, we did, didn't have anything to do with hero questing. But then in our in our second campaign, we sort of did. Uh, we sort of had a lot more uh, to, to, with hero questing. And I've just always enjoyed messing about with hero questing. I've enjoyed interacting with the myths. I've enjoyed mm. doing hero quests, playing hero questing, running hero quests. And it's we, we, we wanted hero questing rules for decades, ever since the, 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 mm. the, 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 they were mentioned in the 80s, or perhaps in the 70s. I wasn't around in the 70s for that, but I, I was certainly around in the 80s. And it's just, I thought, I've done a lot of work on hero questing, uh, and it's just a nice a package, I think, to actually include in the rules. Mm. They're, not, they're not official rules by any means. And I know that Jeff is working on hero questing rules, but Jeff's been working on them for a long time. And it's a case of, are they going to come out next year, the year after? I don't know. So so mm. you have a choice. You can either buy the rules that are, that, that are produced and, and, and you use them, or you can you buy them and and, and and combine them with with Jeff's rules, well, then they come out, or get Jeff's rules and then say, okay, I d- d- don't need those anymore. And um, whichever approach you, you take, I think the the ideas in sequence of hero questing can be used with any hero questing rules. You, you mm. don't necessarily need to rule, use the exact rules but the principles behind it and the way it works i think work for for hero the hero quest or quest world system 
they'd work for 13th Age, they'd work for RuneQuest, they'd work for anything, really. So, um, well, I mean, by the by the very nature, I think Hero Quests bleed into Quest Worlds or, or Hero Quest the game purely because they are something out of the ordinary and otherworldly. Yeah. So ha- having the guidelines, as you've got in the document, I think work really well. They don't lend themselves to to be specific roles as such. You know, I think it's a lot. You've got a lot more license with hero questing. Yeah, and and again, the, the, that that the, that's partly because of uh, it, partly because of the, uh, the approach I've had for hero questing all, all the while. But it's also definitely playing hero quest has really um, helped that process because hero quest frees you from you have this ability it works in this way you have this skill it works in this way it's more of a of a, mm. of a general approach with as i said before with uh keywords um so, so so having that approach and being a bit a bit flexible with with, 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 with how things work i think i think mm. that really works well with hero questing uh one of the things which about, about hero quest the game Hero Quest, the Chaosian game that I didn't, I didn't like or didn't really uh, think much of, is that it had virtually nothing to do with Hero Quests. Mm. The the name of the game was great, but it was all about the, the first few scenarios published were you're in a clan and somebody steals your sheep, or you're you're in a clan and somebody comes along and does something to your clan and that sort of thing. There was nothing there really about 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 hero questing as such, and I just mm. thought that was a very missed opportunity because it's you still had the idea of this is uh for low level or characters who don't do much with the planes, whereas I personally think that. Even if you're a low-level character with skills in like 30 or 40 percent, you can still do hero questing. You you you, mm-hmm. you you don't need to be rune lords or heroes to actually do hero questing. Right. You can do it at any 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 level because it's more about experiencing the the inner histories of your religion. So I, th- I think that's a different approach. You see, so my approach is hero questing is not just for your Argraths or your Harricks or your Arcats. Hero questing is for Joe Bloggs on the street who wants to uh, wants to get a uh, a sheep from Thunder Mountain to um, to help 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 build his flock up. So it is a hero question. Mm. He goes to Thunder Mountain. He gets a magical ram. He brings it back. And then he gets fifty babies in 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 the new, in the new year, and they all have a gold coloured fleece. And then next year they all have a gold coloured fleece, and next year they do. So it's just it just builds his 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 uh, full up. And I think that that sort mm. of thing is a really good way of doing hero questing. You don't necessarily have to be a powerful person. You just need to be um, connected to a cult in some way. Yeah, that's an awesome way of looking at it. I really like that actually. Yeah, it's it takes it out of that just rune level domain and makes it approachable for everybody. I like that. Yeah. With both of those documents then, did you have a specific process for writing or did you have a framework that you built upon? How did that work? As I mentioned, probably probably a third of those were actually um, articles that I'd, that I'd written before. Um, so it was, it was for those two, it was a case of, Taking those articles, working out what I needed to keep and what I didn't, add, adding extra extra bits of flavour, adding adding extra ideas in there, working out if there are any gaps, and then just continually refining it. So what I tend to do if I'm writing that sort of thing, I just break it up into in 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 into areas. So I have an area which is it's called places. I have a, a chapter with for NPCs. I have a chapter for scenarios, perhaps or scenario ideas. Um, and generally, I just I just build it up from from those blocks. What I don't do is start writing and just write and write and write and write and write. I have to have an idea or a template or a plan of I need to write something for this area and then something for this bit and then something mm-hmm. for, for this bit. I just can't write from scratch and say, right, here, here, here's a, 
other stuff. Uh, one thing I'm planning to write uh, in the next year or two is um, the Ever Voice campaign that that that, that I easily completed and the um, Oasis Folk campaign, which is the two halves of the same campaign. And for those, although I'll be I'll be writing from scratch because I've not actually recorded the uh, things I've done on 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 paper or, or on the computer, I've got an idea what I need to do. But again, it will still be a case of I've got locations to write, I've got scenarios to write, NPCs to write, cults to write, and it'll be the same sort of sort of, sort of thing. So. Because it just makes it easier for me to. I like to compartmentalize things into certain areas, and then and then to do those areas. That that's basically my uh, method of doing things. So get the framework and then basically flesh it out. Exactly, it's right. Yeah, yeah. Where the juices flow. Gotcha. Um, and was there a, a particular element of writing the publications that you struggled with? And if there was, how did you overcome it, assuming that you did? Oh, layout is is, a, is abysmal. <laughs> layout is... Uh, people who are skilled with, skilled with layout, I don't know how they do, 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 do it. Um, it's a nightmare. And I know that you, it's, it's, it's you, your job. So, uh, yes. so for you, you're thinking, oh, what's the about? It's easy. Yeah, it's a piece of piss. Exactly, yeah, it's right, yeah, exactly. But, uh, no, but well, for me, maybe, in fact, I probably understand more than most in how how complicated it can be, especially when you get into the into the zone of creating the layouts for print-on-demand. I was having a conversation with Nick uh, last week, in fact, and even though, you know, I produce print work probably every other day, the instructions that drive through have got to produce the print on demand versions is pretty painful. Is it really? Oh, right. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things I've not, I've not actually got to that point yet. Now, now I've got two things which have semi officially qualify. Um, mm-hmm. So I could start, I could, could start looking at them. It's sort of something that I definitely won't enjoy. Um, it's just, uh, it's like, it's like, Pulling teeth for me, it really is. So, 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 so I might be talking to you, Neil, at some point about that because I would much rather someone else did it because uh, it's not yeah. something that I'm going to enjoy. Um, the other area that I really did struggle with was artwork. Right. I'm very, very, very of the opinion that books are about words. As a kid, I, I, I realised really early on that the difference between books for children and books for adults is that books for children have, have pictures in, loads of fiction, and b- b- mm-hmm. books for adults don't. And that's really been my, my experience um, over the years. If um, I'm, I'm not a fan of coffee table books with loads loads of pictures if i want if i want loads of pictures i'll, I'll, I'll watch telly or i'll i'll go on the internet to to, to look at things uh, i won't i won't necessarily buy uh, buy books with loads of artwork just because they have artwork which i'm a mm. dinosaur modern <laughs> role playing is definitely about the artwork so that was a real a real struggle for me and, and it actually caused me a lot of stress to do that uh but i managed to get really great artwork from from artists i've I, I managed to uh to commission some artwork for for the two books the uh both both uh cover art are fantastic so mm-hmm. um i'd really really like to uh call those out the internal artwork I, i've done a, a mixture of Purchasing old artwork from from people, so I bought I bought Johnny's um, back collection in effect, and then I bought some not not necessarily free art because because I paid for them, but it's like yeah. it's like uh, free artwork. So um, so I bought those and I've I've used those. I've also commissioned some artwork, some of the things which is which is for me, I've not used yet. I'm, plan to use for other things and that has been a real hard experience for, for me I, I asked for some advice on the Johnstown uh, Compendium Creators uh, group on, on Facebook and basically I got slaughtered 
for for it. My idea was uh, here's here's my position. I, I don't don't really understand artwork in books. Can can you explain it to me? And I got absolutely crucified just because. How can you not understand artwork? You're you're coming in. You're you're being offensive to people by saying that. No, I really don't understand. I want to learn. I want to learn why it's why it's why it's good. I want to learn how to do it. In in the end, I got some really useful advice, and that helped me. But it wasn't good. It was it, it almost made me walk away from the whole thing. It really did, uh, just because it played a what's point. Secrets of Hero Questing, certainly the art that you've picked in that definitely um, fits the publication. So I think you've done a, a good job in the end there. Thank you. And the cover's amazing. The cover for Secrets of Drastic by Johnny and the cover for Secrets of Hero Questing by Alexander. They, they couldn't really fit it better. I, I think they're really, really uh, are, are impressive. And I've got some. Yeah, I've no, got a, I agree. I've got a picture for from. Leah, um, which is for a future hero questing book, and that is as as good, if not better, than those two. So I'm I'm pleased about that. Yeah, the one from Alexander on uh, Secrets of Hero Questing really does that fits it perfectly. I think the style of that just works really, really well. Yeah, um, he's very good to work with as well. He did uh, one of the brew for me in Legion. Oh, did he? Um, yeah. Yeah, he so we did some updated artwork, uh, and he did one of those. So yeah, it's good to have different artists in there as well and have a bit of a mix up. So yeah, yeah. he's definitely worth looking up if anybody is out there who wants to jump into the Johnstown Compendium. Yeah, it's really good to work with. And also, I found that um, people like uh, in all three of those, um, Gigiani, uh, Alexander, and Lydia, they were so helpful. They 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 guided me. Through the process of guiding them, so um, they asked all the right questions. They all gave me some some preliminary like sketches. Um, mm -hmm. They took my ideas and then said, "Yeah, yeah, they're okay, but he, um, if I was lucky, they might sell a hundred copies each." Uh, they're both a little sellers, selling two hundred and fifty each. Mm. Um, so they've, they've they've gone past that, so uh, so I'm I'm happy with that. Uh, the feedback I've had is pretty good. Um, there's the the, the 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 reviews I've had have been general generally positive. Um, no one's no one's questioned things too much. So they've asked for clarifications or or pointed out the errors in in, in the books, which I've tried to correct. And that's one thing which is uh, great for drive-through RPG is you can make corrections really easily and then open them up to the website so it's a really easy process so I'm, I'm, I'm very impressed with that so, so I, yeah, think, I, agree. I think that the, the sales are happy because I didn't expect much so um, so I've, I've got good um, results there RQ people have been have been gen generally supportive. No one has said how why have you uh, inc inc included this in Drastor or why have you included this in in Hero Questing? The only the only possibly negative comment I I, I had was 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 calling me. Oh, what's it called me? I can't remember now. That, which, which actually destroys the whole the, the whole thing, doesn't it? If I, if I can't remember what. I can't, I can't remember now. I'll find out and I'll tell you afterwards so we can edit it in. But it wasn't wasn't complimentary. Yeah, but no one star reviews. No, no, no one's. I think I think the I think I had a review today or yesterday which might have been a th a three star. I don't know. So I just I just have my emails you see. So I don't normally unless it's a review. I don't. I don't normally count them th th that much. They're nice to have, but yeah. they're not. So they're not that important. But and that's uh, the double-edged sword, isn't it? Because it, I think it's fine to get uh, any star review. Yeah. But I would really prefer it if there was some kind of um, constructive criticism of why you've got a three-star review. But unfortunately, because it hooks it into the person's name to make sure that they're an actual seller. Yeah. A lot of people are quite reticent to do that. That's right. Which yeah. is, it's a bit of a shame. It would almost be 
I'd almost prefer it that you could have an anonymous review if it was under five stars, just so that I could get the feedback. So if anybody out there who wants to give, you know, four on below, please feel free to do so. But just tell me, tell me why, because then you can actually improve going forward. Exactly. That's what I found. So I'm just, I'm just, just uh, checking now. And Sequence of Drastra has had one three-star review, one four-star review. That's no, like two four-star reviews and then 13 five-stars. Sequence of Hero requesting mm-hmm. one three-star, one four-star, and then nine five-stars. To me... And were, it, were those low ones? Did they give you any feedback? No, no, no. The, the, uh, the, the, the four-stars said it was good. Because to, to, to me, you see, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not one of these people who say that a four-star review is bad because it's got four stars. No. A three-star review, I don't think that's bad. A two-star review and a one-star review, yes, they're there to me telling him it's bad. But a three-star, it means average. And to be honest, because of the nature of sequence of Jurassic in particular, I can see that some people would hate it. And I can see that mm. some people would absolutely take offence with a lot of things in there, and that's fine. So I've got no no problem with that. Um, people can like things or not like things. And t- to be honest, uh, part part of me thinks that I, I, I that all all my stuff is rubbish anyway. So uh, no no one's going to buy this. And like I said, I, I thought if if I get a hundred sales, it'll be amazing. Um, part of me thinks I don't care what anyone thinks. Really, so yeah. I'm, I mean, when they in that in that un, 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 unhappy place where every every bad word wounds me, but then yeah, I don't care. So what? So what? So what? So I get both really. So, um, and if anybody was wanting to actually put together a publication for the JC, would you? What advice would you have for them in doing that? Just do it. That's that's the one that's the one piece of advice I, I I would say to people. If you're thinking about do it, do it, because so many people have great ideas and then think in the same way that I did. Who's going to want that? Who's going to buy that? It's a lot of work. I'm not good enough to do it. RuneQuest fans are very forgiving. If you, you say up front, I'm going to write this. It's not going to have as much stuff in there as, as I want, but I'll run it out now. But I'll, I'll give you stuff afterwards as, 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 as in updates. Then people are happy with that. They're fine with that. Martin Helston has done a lot of um, work on his mm. his towers supplement and, yeah. and the West. So he's been adding to them, to them and actually um, expanding them and then then uh, updating them. So he's added an extra a new cover for Arms and arms and Enemies of Dragon Pass as well, which is a fantastic cover. But he's his he's, own he's, yeah. supplement. So, so, so I think that, you, that, that that does work and that does allow you to to mess things, uh, to not mess things up, to mess about things and do a prototype mm. first. So you, 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 you can do a prototype. See if it sells, and then if it sells, then that then actually um, yep, add in there, which you know is a marketing experience, um, artwork, editing, and that sort of thing. It is it is sometimes useful to get something out, so you get 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 the income in, and then mm. that allows you to pay for those things afterwards, as opposed to in advance. So I won't. I'm fortunate in a position that Mr. Visa can actually help me pay for those things without me um, causing a lot. So, mm-hmm. uh, so it's good. So it's good like that. But say if it, if it was to say two or three years ago, there's no way that I could afford it to um, spend hundreds of dollars on artwork and uh, hundreds of dollars on 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 editing up front. Yeah. Because I just didn't have that money to spare. Yeah, especially especially on essentially what would be a punt as well. Until you've put one out, it's a bit of a risk, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. But now I know that uh, I'm I'm fairly confident that things that I do will sell a hundred 
on that. Now, having said that, what that means is the next one I do will sell 20 <laughs> copies. So, uh, so I've, I've jinxed that one, but, um, but, 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 but hopefully it's an idea as well. And I know that there are other people who have been in exactly the same boat. They've yeah. thought, if I do this and I want artwork, is, is, is it reasonable? And I think that nowadays you can, I won't say assume because that's not fair on, on everyone, but there's a good chance that anything published in the Johnstone Companion with, 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 with substance will go copper and will yep. probably go silver. Um, yep. but, but definitely the, the copper. I'm not saying that everything we will do, because that's not, not fair on the people who, whose things haven't, for whatever mm. reason. But there's, there's a good chance. And if you, if you, if you, if you, you can put it based on it going to copper, and then stretch based on it going to silver, then I think that gives you, 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 you an idea of the amount you, you, you can afford to pay up front yeah, to actually, actually do, 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 do that. But that's my experience anyway. Other people's experience might vary, obviously. So on that then, what other works do you, have you got in the pipeline that are coming out soon? Well, I've got, I've got two, two things which are nearly, nearly complete. I've been working with Chris Bell, who runs the Glorantha Fans um, Facebook group, and he sent me some some myths which were really really good. So I've I've turned them into hero quests. So I've just been working with him to um, edit those. So there, that's that's just about done. So there's three hero quests there. There's um, how Matt grieved, which is uh, all about post post traumatic stress. Syndrome, mm-hmm. and or there's a, a hero quest. How all became a woman. It deals with um, all anthem linger, and then there's a hero quest uh, regarding why Nalda's a killer. It's basically um, in Nalda getting picked up and saying, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. You you think I'm a little Earth goddess <laughs> who is very good in, in, in into fertility and things, but really I'm the mother of Babista Gore." I'm out of entering with uh, the All Lantern and Finnevan. I've done this. I've done this. I've done this. I'm 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 the sister of Marangor. I'm the I'm I'm the niece of Tytkortek. I'm all these things. So you think you're Death God? Well, look at me. <laughs> and it's a, that's actually nice and quite a nice thing to to work on because they're they're being quite simple, quite contained, and also it allows me to use the the principles from since it's equals hero questing and actually put it into practice to, to, to write hero quests and also I've written like a, a guide to say here's the myth here's how I've turned it into a hero questing because a lot of people uh, have asked me that over the years they've said well how do you do it and I'm thinking well it's easy I'm, I'm, mm. I'm thinking it's the same way that you were t- talking about layout being a piece of piss <laughs> turning turning myths into hero quests for me piece of piss it's easy is that going to be a is he going to release them separately or is that going to be in a in a um, compendium it's a pack it's a pack basically so, 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 so it's a pack with those the hero quests so it should be coming out hopefully if, if we can uh, arrange things before the end, the end of the year we're not sure about exactly when but it should be coming out there uh and then the next thing i'm working on is a book of uh, something called the book of doom which is a some rules about various things and also a spell list uh my timing is perfect because the 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 the, the red book is coming out in december which is a spell list (laughs) so um So, you must be uh, fine connected with um, with Jeff and the crew. Exactly, yeah. But um, hopefully the spells I have are different to the spells that, that uh, are, in, are in Jeff's book. So our final question for our conversation is, to which runes or deity do you commit yourself to? Uh, right. In, 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 in terms, terms of Glantha, there, there is, there is only one. Uh, I, I, I would be a, a worshipper of uh, Abaddon. Now, Abaddon is a Pelorian god of storm. He's, he's a big, a big noisy storm that comes in, blows around, makes a lot of noise. Is a bit useless. Doesn't really uh, 
doing much and <laughs> thinks he's really important but isn't so perfect for me so uh, uh as to runes the storm room storm and harmony i think is my is my is my is my thing and that that says a lot about me that the, the storm and harmony brilliant are probably the really opposed almost opposed runes but that's what i would be I would be in Granta. Love it. All right. Well, thanks for um, talking with us today, Simon. I hope you had as much fun as I did. And uh, once those new publications come out, we'll get you on again. Brilliant. Thanks a lot. I've enjoyed being here. And thanks for being so gentle. Pleasure. No worries. Thanks very much. Yes. Thanks, Neil. Bye. Thanks for listening to Tales from the Black Alex. If you enjoyed the podcast, we'd love it if you were able to leave a review or rating on iTunes or your podcast software of choice. Or if you really liked it, you can support us via Patreon. You can contact us with questions and interview requests via our Facebook page, facebook.com slash groups slash The RuneQuest Project, or email us at theruinequestproject at gmail.com.